Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome back to episode number four of my podcast, self-named the Richard Dixon Podcast. Now, I have to apologise to you guys. I had been sticking to weekly uploads. Normally, I would record this podcast on a Wednesday or a Thursday. It would be edited by my team and uploaded on the Friday. Sadly, last week, we did not upload a podcast. Unfortunately, um, I had one of the toughest situations I've ever dealt with in my personal life, um, and I, I lost my dog. Uh, it's been a, a very hard week for me. We've had some great events on working with some amazing people and, you know, having the team in here, which I'm so grateful for. But uh, for those of you that follow me on Instagram or maybe see me on, on YouTube and watch my videos and just know my content, you know I had an amazing, the most incredible dog in the world, little Inky. He was a, a miniature sausage dog. He was dapple, covered in beautiful, amazing stripes and um, sadly... Um, we we lost him last Wednesday, so I had not been in the office on Wednesday, but in the vets for a couple of days, just with a a random but very serious health condition. And uh, Thursday, I decided to not come into the office and just spend some time with my family. And then Friday, by the time I went in, you're catching up with everything you miss out on Wednesday and Thursday. So I'm sure you guys understand. So um, yeah. Back in the hot seat now to do this episode in memory of the best dog in history, Inky the Sausage Boy. So um, if you're one of the people, I've had literally hundreds, potentially even over a thousand different messages on Instagram, WhatsApp, phone calls and all that. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for um, reaching out. I haven't been able to reply to everyone, but the podcast will resume regular uploads. I'm not trying to be one of these guys that quits after a couple of episodes. It was just such a hard situation and these have lost pets. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So today I'm going to be talking about uh, a topic based around a phrase that I don't think was coined by my own mother, but was definitely um, something I held first from my mum and this is the concept of lifting as you rise. Now, not not so much in the sense of, you know, the saying rising tides lift all ships or whatever it may be. Uh, I like the lift as you rise version of this saying or this attitude or approach to success in life or in business. Um, it's something that I have tried to champion over the last couple of years through helping individuals through philanthropy through sponsorship a whole bunch of different things some of which I have varied opinions on and I will share them with you today so th this is really the, the general overview of this concept that I'm that I'm discussing is your ability to continually improve other people's personal life circumstances as you start to gain more financial independence and freedom, more time freedom. And yes, you can lift as you rise in many capacities. You go and you learn a new skill. You go and you spend more time honing your craft as an athlete. You can return back to your gym or to your team or to your organisation and improve other people's skill sets and core qualities through the work that you have went and done. I am talking about this specifically when it comes to business. And specifically when it comes to gaining more financial success inside of business. So you can um, take this concept and apply it to any aspect of your life. You might not be in business yet. You may have just stumbled upon this episode and you're watching it because you've got nothing better to do with your day, which is totally fine. I appreciate you nonetheless. Um, 
But I am going to be discussing this in terms of of business and you know financial success. Now to kick off, there's a great discussion and back and forth and difference of opinions when it comes to financial abundance and whether there's a set of drawers in front of me just now if you watch me in video so i'm turning to this little angle and crossing my legs um just having a bit more space for my legs now there's a real big disagreement or argument or debate on on whether financial success makes you happy i have had differing opinions on this for many years Sometimes I've been yes, sometimes I've been no, sometimes I've been indifferent. And I think now, as I'm getting slightly older, albeit not old, I'm 27 years old, I'm slightly more long in the tooth in business and I'm seeing more life situations pan out of my own. I think I'm in the best place ever to be able to give some degree of wisdom and opinion that carries some weight on this topic. Um... And also, I'm open to my opinion changing over time. I am not someone who is so stubborn that my opinion won't change. But here's here's my thoughts. Do I think having money, open up your phone and there's 100k, 500k, a million pound in your bank account, do I think that is a prerequisite for immediate happiness? Absolutely not. Now, I'm not going to go into some spiel of money doesn't buy you happiness, it's who's around you and you know, all that nonsense, right? Because that, I also disagree with that. Money doesn't buy you happiness. It'll give you happiness. But it is a very clear barrier and asset to reducing your susceptibility to chronic sadness, depression, disappointment, unhappiness, uh, inadequacy, a whole host of different negatives. And here's why. When I was younger growing up you know we didn't have a huge amount of money and when I heard my parents argue or there was stresses in the household it was generally based around money if my mum and dad had abundant finances would they have certainly found other things to argue about of course or oh, you left your stuff lying about the house or you haven't done this you haven't done that there would have been other things to argue about but having some degree of financial capabilities would have definitely reduced the amounts of arguments in that house now when you speak to people about why they're stressed or you look at the the average person in the uk who has under one thousand pounds saved at any one time the average person in the uk's bank balance is under a thousand pounds which is absolutely terrifying it's really really scary and if you're in that situation i would encourage you from watching stuff on my youtube channel and then taking and stuff from other people go and try and apply some of that stuff and increase your income because it can be a very tough spot to be in and i'm gonna liken this to some situations that i've been in so you can understand my logic in this situation this isn't just based on opinions based on real life experience now the average person like that they spend so much of their time stressed about what money how am i meant to mot my car how am i going to pay for my insurance am i going to miss my rent this month can I afford my council tax? What kind of situation am I going to be in in the next couple of weeks based on my finances? When you have a little bit more money, even instead of being the person under a thousand pounds in the bank, you're an average person with an average cost of living, you've got five, ten thousand pounds in the bank. That's a huge buffer to make you feel extremely safe. 
You can think to yourself, if I lose my job, I've got enough of a float there to give me time to find something new without having to default on my cards, without having to um, skip out on a rent payment and fall into arrears to you know, default on a car finance agreement. You've got enough money there that you are able to protect yourself in a situation where you may lose a job or being capable of working for a, a small period of time. The more money you have, the more... I guess, safety net you, you have in that situation. If something comes up and there's an issue that can be solved financially, you, you should be able to solve it. So a lot of the things that would stress us out in the world, a lot of the average person's complaints in the modern world are around money, affordability, credit, all of these different things. So having access to more money definitely reduces your own personal affliction when it comes to these things you will be affected less now it also seeps into other situations in your life uh, i as a man especially have a very deep sense of responsibility when it comes to providing for people in my life anyone who ends up in a tough spot by the way not to get bent over and the piss taken out of me that's not what I mean, not like my friends can just message me, oh bro, I'm in a tough spot, can I have a grand? Yeah, that's not going to happen, you're going to get told to go away. The point I'm making is when someone who I love or care about finds themselves in a situation and the end result that they require to move on or feel safe or to have access to care, whatever it is, that can be solved with money. I am nearly always in a situation where I can solve that. An absolutely excellent and very recent example of this is, is with my dog that I was speaking about. Now, he went into the vets and I'm not going to tell the full story because ultimately it's very upsetting for me and uh, I don't like crying in front of people that I don't know. So if you do know me and you're on this thing, hopefully you've never seen me cry before. I'm not a big crier, but I, I don't want to end up being upset in a podcast and I'll go viral and get bullied on TikTok or something. So um, he went into the vets and they weren't sure what was wrong with him and there's just like so many ups and downs and this and that's and so on. Now, he had insurance. There was the insurance had to be signed off by two parties. This whole different situation. So I couldn't, as an individual, authorise his um, pet insurance, right? So I had to be in a position over the course of four days to be able to pay for all of his treatment in full. And then speculatively be able to claim it back at some point should the insurance be authorised, which now it's in the process of, of getting done. But across the course of four days between IVs, oxygen therapy, ventilation potentially, and all these different things, the reason I say potentially was I had to pay for the ventilation, but sadly it didn't, it didn't make it to that point. Now, I spent circa £20,000 in four days, 5k a day, right? Um, just on Apple Pay bleeping away. I was in a situation that if I couldn't have done that, the only option would have been to put him to sleep. Now, guess what? You can turn around and say, Richard, he passed anyway. If you don't get that money back from your insurance, what did you spend 20 grand for? What did, there, there was no reason for you to spend that because he's already passed. I would never have been able to forgive myself had I not been able to give him access to the best possible medical care. And I can liken this to any member of my family, any friend of mine, wasn't just the fact that, that he was my dog. And that's not me saying that 
humans are automatically more important or whatever. I'm not saying that like he's just a dog. He was like my son. He was my child. I loved him more than anything else in the world. And I have never experienced such intense hurt in in my life. Um, Even speaking previously on the episode of the podcast about pain, you know, like... I, I don't even think that when I'm speaking in that podcast episode, I'm even qualified anymore to talk about pain. Only now in my life, I understand I've lost family members, traumatic deaths, friends to traumatic deaths, like stuff that would put many people in, in very, very adverse mental situations. And I've always been able to power through that. Now you can still see I'm powering through this and I'm, I'm in the office and I'm, doing events i'm here recording this podcast and all that kind of stuff but i i have never i've never felt pain like that before and in my whole entire life and i i I still feel that pain right now whilst i'm speaking here so when i know i have such a deep-rooted emotional connection with my dog who is a member of my family nonetheless um i would never have been able to forgive myself had i not been able to do that in that situation and it really upsets me and scares me and just just hurts a little bit to think about the fact that there's families out there, individuals out there, who have been in the same room of the same vets. By the way, vets were incredible. They've done so well, done everything for them. They've been in the same room of the same vets with no insurance or insurance that they couldn't get access to, like like mine, and thankfully we, we have now, and I should get around about... £10,000 back they've had to sit there and they've went hey you need to authorise £5,000 just now the average person does not have £5,000 to be able to spend on the dog they don't they don't have it to be able to spend on the kid or themselves right it's it's sad it's so 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 sad and they've had to sit and say we can't afford that we're going to have to put them to sleep they've not even been able to give the pet the opportunity and by the way, if they had said to me, Richard, this is going to be 40 grand, this is going to be 80 grand, 100 grand, I would have paid it. My insurance covers me for £10,000. I would have paid it. With a, some of the last medical treatments that, that we authorised for me, I had a 5% chance of survival. And I still done it because I, I was in a position where I could, I guess, lift as I rise. I had the capability through, and and say this is a reach or whatever, I don't really care, through years of previous work that has got me into a situation where I have a certain degree of financial comfort, albeit nowhere near exactly what I want. I'm not even close to feeling comfortable. I still have to smash my pan in every single day, which I like doing. I like being busy. I like working. But through all that work for the years, I was in a position where I didn't need to feel guilty anymore. I didn't need to feel guilty because I was able to do the maximum I could. And those questions that are asking you, you know, do you want to put him to sleep now because he's got such a low chance of survival? And what do you want to do? And, you know, me being a Christian, most people know, I committed that to God and asked, you know, what what do we do in this situation? How do I how do I make the right decision for some someone that I love so deeply? Um and I didn't get to make that decision, which I'm grateful for, because he he passed peacefully in his in, in his own right. And I never once sat and thought, I've wasted all that money, or 
you know, I, I shouldn't have done that because look, it's never done anything anyway, he died anyway, because I'm delusional, if he had a 1% chance of survival, I would believe that he would have been the one that, that survived that situation. I had the opportunity, I had the chance, loads of people would think it's a, it's a negative, oh I had to spend this on my dog, no way, I had the chance, the capability, the affordability, the privilege, the blessing to be able to do everything I possibly could to ensure that someone I cared about more than anything else in the world had the the chance to have another go at life. And, and guess what? Didn't didn't make it. And and that's that's uh, that that's the law of the world. Sometimes that is the that is the in my opinion how I see the world and, and you may disagree but so I see the world and what I believe um that that was the the will of that was the will of God and, and I, I can I cannot interfere. I cannot disagree. I can be hurt. I can be deeply hurt. I can be upset. I can ask questions. I can think it's unfair. But I could do the maximum possible that I can do for for that boy. And that gives me a degree of peace. Now imagine putting yourself in a situation where you had to put your dog to sleep. Make it even more extreme. Imagine this is your child and your child has got a a real illness. How often do we see this online? You know, innocent child, innocent family stuck in a situation where, you know, an illness has just hit them and like you would do as any parent, you're scrambling with GoFundMe and these different things to be able to make sure that, that your child's going to get access to the care they deserve. And if you don't raise the money or have the money or get the money and something happens to that child, you will never, ever forgive yourself. Never. You will feel like you failed. I failed him as a father. I failed him as a mother. I failed him as a friend, a guardian. You would feel like a failure. That's the reality. That's how you'd feel. You'd feel like a failure. And even though you tried your best, and the argument is that I sometimes make, you know, if you had been in a situation where you could have started a business or you did start a business or you made more money, you'd have had a certain degree of security. And you can see now just from what I'm saying how having access to some money, 10k, 20k, doesn't need to be millions, right, can give you a way above average feeling of security, which does not mean that you're automatically jumping around smiling happy. It just means that you're less susceptible to feeling fear, anxiety, sadness, lack of self-worth, because you've got that little buffer there. Now, going beyond essential stuff, when I say essential, I mean like what happened to me with dog or that analogy I used there for the parents with the, the unwell child or, or whatever it may be. You know, that stuff that out of necessity you would utilise your money. But what about some things that are optional, the true idea of lifting as your eyes philanthropy and stuff like that if you want to support your church you want to support a charity close to your heart you want to support a member of your family you want to retire a, a parent or um you know let's say you have someone in your, your family with additional needs and you would like to help provide care for them to give your family members a break whatever it may be right all of these things are, I, I can really respect you for that. I think you're very kind for thinking about those things. But the long and short of it is, you need to make the money first. 
to make that happen. Even the charity stuff, I respect anyone who donates to charity in any volume. If you have a £5 a month direct debit um, set up to save the children and that is what you can donate within your affordability, bless you for doing that. And like that's such a such a kind thing to do because everything is relevant and means tested in the world, right? Just because one person can donate a thousand pounds doesn't mean that you are less valuable for doing that as per a ratio of income, for example, a percentage of income. But if you want to make life changing donations, life changing investments in different charities and organizations, you need to be in a position where you have life changing money. Now, I am in a position where I can really help, and I, I'm not saying I, you'll be able to see from any publications you see of me online, any newspapers, if you go and search my name, it's all business, entrepreneurship, this, that, the next thing. I get asked all the time to write articles on my charity work, all the time, and I have never accepted. I don't feel comfortable talking about it, and I don't think it's authentic. Even in, it's Friday, no, Thursday today, in two weeks this Sunday, we're having a community support day inside of the HQ, just here. We're going to be having a bunch of people in. It's a donation-only event with, with all proceeds going to Paulette Shields Community Food Point. A charity, very close to my own heart, supports families that I know. I provide Christmas presents for children there every single year at a vast cost of thousands of pounds. And then as and when they maybe need capital injections, I can help, right? But that's because I spent years grafting and sacrificing and maybe not donating as much as I should have during that time. Mentally, I wasn't present and financially, I was very priced in. I wasn't thinking about charity. I was thinking about, I was in my process of selfish ambition to fulfill my desire of selfless ambition, but I had to do the work. I had to do the work and I had to make the money to be in the position where I could go, oh yeah, I'll spend three or four thousand pounds on Christmas presents and oh, you need a thousand pounds here? Yeah, no problem. You need a donation of cash or food or money or you want me to run an event to do these things for you? Like, I had to do the work, right? Now, you will have your own chosen charities and like I've already said, small amounts of money still go a long way. But for you to make a really big impact, in my opinion, it's easier to start something and make money from it than it is for you to go out and campaign and like raise money from people and spend your life being like a charity fundraiser. You won't make any money for yourself during that period and you can say, I don't need money to be happy and all that. I've already proven in multiple situations that having money is not a, an optional, oh yeah, it'd be nice if I have it. Sometimes it is literally life or death and if you don't have it, you will never forgive yourself and you will live in misery forever. Sounds harsh, but it's true. Fact. You don't get to disagree with that. It is true. So you can be saying, oh, I don't need money anyway. I'm happy working for the charity, getting donations in and stuff like that. Then great. If you're happy with that and you're so confident that nothing negative is ever going to happen in your life that you need to solve for money, good on you. I wish I had that same level of confidence, but I don't. You have got a better quality of life awaiting you, plus a larger impact for the charity when you decide to put some time and focus into building something for yourself. Even if that means in the short to medium term, you're able to donate nothing, zero. Because you're like what I was talking about in my last podcast, you're on the little noodles and the micro blooming pizzas and all that stuff, right? You've got no nickels to rub together. And in five years, 10 years, you hit it off pretty big. You're at a point where you can do stuff good. Well, 
let's say, I'll calculate this right now, let's say you were able to donate £10 a month, every month, so 12 months, £120 a year, for 10 years. That looks like it's £1,200, amazing, and make a fantastic difference to a charity. If you, in that period of 10 years, donate nothing, and you work pretty hard, and something happens, you're able to get a spare 10k, 5k, whatever it may be, not only have you improved your own life during that period of time, giving you a sustainable income, growing a business or organisation that can employ and empower other people, pay you, potentially sellable so you get a great exit, but you've also been able to donate between five and ten times more than you would have on your regular deposit. By the way, not everyone's going to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. So I, I am only speaking this example to the entrepreneurs. You could spin this to be, you know, aiming higher on the career ladder or taking more roles at work. I don't really know how you would spin it, to be honest, because I've never really had any jobs, minus my apprenticeship. I've literally never been employed, never done a job. And I, I'm kind of really out of touch with stuff like that and salaries and stuff. That's me being totally honest. So you're able to do so much more because you've prioritised building something else. Now, when I stopped fighting 2017, I plan on fighting again this year, not MMA by any means, but I, I do plan on fighting at some point just to scratch that itch again because I love it, right? But I relied on sponsors to help me heavily. I was an apprentice. I didn't have any real money to to do much with. Um, I needed supplements. I needed kit. I needed a gum shield. And I'm not talking about a crappy gum shield, like a fitted gum shield that's actually going to protect you a bit more. Um, I needed all that stuff at the cost of hundreds of pounds, you know, help with travel, help with training expenses, all these different things. So I relied on sponsors. I relied on the kindness of other people wanting to get involved. I had sponsors back then like the Cupping Suite. My dad helped sponsor me um, with Aldex and Electrical. Uh, I had um, different sponsors uh, that were that were able to give me money towards getting kit, getting travel. So when I stopped fighting and I stopped fighting around about the same time that I started to look into business and then make some money and so on, it was right up my street to go and sponsor people. I've sponsored many fighters, probably to the tune of over £15,000, way more than I've ever received um, in, in the past couple of years, from travel to medicals to supplementation to covering pulses almost, right? And pulse is what you get paid, a fight pulse, I don't mean a clutch bag for the girlfriend or whatever. But I've sponsored so many different people in dire situations. And by the way, with around about 50% of those people, it's hardly even been appreciated. That's me being totally honest. I've done it and it's hardly even been appreciated. Not even, It's just like, yeah, cool, okay, thanks. Like, it's it's been very underappreciated by certain people and certain individuals, which is, is sad and actually put me off sponsoring people. I haven't sponsored a fighter for probably over a year now. But in the time previous, I was so big on doing it and giving back to people. Now, for the people in here who don't really know much about marketing and actually promoting a business properly, you'll be saying, but yeah, that's not you being kind. You're getting sponsorship. So you're getting a logo on the T-shirt to walk out with. You're getting um, posts on the social media. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say it plainly sponsorship is charity fact sponsorship is charity if you're sponsoring someone if you sponsor a person a football club a basketball club a golf course 
any of these things, if you sponsor someone or something, do not ever do it on the basis that you think you're going to get revenue back. Do it on the basis that you want to support that personal organisation because it means something to you. Sponsorship is almost a net zero profit. It is a massive net loss. There was one person that I ever got any return from in terms of sponsorship and it was when I sponsored Chris Duncan, who is now in the UFC. Sponsored him multiple times over the past few years. By the way, appreciative guy. An amazing, kind, driven, fantastic father. I love his missus. She's so, so, so lovely. Like, I loved sponsoring Chris. It was one of my more expensive sponsorships as well because he was a real good pro fighter and was aiming really high. Never regretted sponsoring Chris. And even though Chris is not the best guy on camera and all that, he grafted his socks off those sponsorships. He would upload videos and do whatever he needed to do to try and make sure he was earning his sponsorship. And it helped set up a meeting with someone one time and helped get a little bit of investment and a huge amount of money. But it returned me something. Still, across the board of all my sponsorships, massive net loss. I sponsored Chris because I loved Chris and I believed in Chris and now seeing him in the UFC and building that life for himself and making more money and being able to, you know, have more financial security for his family and, and all these different things. I'm Even if I was half a percent of that, I'm so proud to have been part of that journey. There's other people out there that I've sponsored that it's just, it's just, I should never, you know, there was never even anything done for you. You get to a point where people actually feel entitled to it, you know. Um, but I'm glad I was in a position where I could lift as I was rising. I was rising in my own life, rising in my own business, rising in my own personal brand, income. I think I already said that. So I was able to lift other people. Oh, you're in a situation where you're struggling as a young fighter. I'll help lift you and give you something here so that you can go and do something with it. I'd done it not just for fighters, for other athletes. My little cousin's school football team. The football kits were destroyed. Hindland Foxes, up the Foxes. My little cousin's football team in his school when he was there. He's at university now and carving his own path. I'm so proud of him. He's training now and competing in jiu-jitsu and maybe he'll fight MMA at some point. I'm not sure. I'm so proud of that kid. He's, he's done so well. Um, but he's at uni and stuff now. But when he was in school, the kits were wrecked. So I went and I had a, you know, a friend of mine who is one of the big football kit printers and manufacturers and stuff like that. So I went to him and we done a deal and I spent money on the kits for all the different years, boys' teams, girls' teams. I think they still use the kits today and I never got anything for that. They've done one post on Instagram once and I've never seen anything since. I've never heard from them, never nothing. And fine, my cousin was there. They were wearing these crap football kits. I was able to spend an insignificant amount of money to me at the time. 700 quid, a thousand pounds, I can't remember what it was, to get these kits done to make sure these kids go and play football. One of my mum's friends, sons, who's a BMX racer, sponsored him. Like, all these different sponsorships that I was able to do, I could never have done that as a spark. I couldn't have. I could have sponsored someone in the sense of put 20 quid into a blooming football card, right? I could have done something like that, and that is still valuable and goes a long way for young athletes or people raising money for, for any reason. But it was nowhere near what I was able to do after I had a little bit of financial success. I was able to say, oh yeah, I'll put money in here, put money in there. So think now for your own lives, right? What examples of lifting as you rise will you be able to do? Because now I'm in a position where I financially support to a degree some people that I know. 
um, I am able to give people more opportunities. As my business grows and we get better, I'm able to employ more people. We're employing people now who maybe aren't the most experienced because we can bring them in in developmental roles and help them be mentored and coached by other members of our teams where as we are rising in our business and rising in our team growth, we're able to bring in people who maybe wouldn't meet the requirements for a role with us six months ago, but now because we have capacity, we're able to bring them in, train them, not like an apprenticeship, it's nothing formal in that sense, but bring them in, employ them full time, pay them a good wage and increase their capacity to, you know, learn different skills and, 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 you know, vastly, you know, grow their skill sets. It's something that I think is really important. So think to yourself right now, what examples of lifting as I rise can I do in my life? And ask yourself, would you be comfortable being that person who had to let your pet go or deny a person in your family essential medical treatment or whatever it may be because... The business that you have right now, you never tried that hard that you're just like, oh, I'm okay, just making a wage. As long as I make a wage, not to put you under pressure, but you're under pressure. And not to make this hoorah, super alpha, work hard, you're a provider, but I'm going to do it. Because that, that's that's how I function and what I believe. I need to be in a situation where I can solve problems. And many problems in the modern world or solved by money unless you have an expert skill set. Someone comes to me in my family, I've got a rare form of cancer. Would it be easier for me to have money available to try and help that person or to go and retrain as an expert cancer specialist? It's a really easy bloody answer there. Super easy answer. And I know which option I would choose all the time. It puts more pressure on you having a little bit of money because you can solve people's problems and you feel required to do so sometimes. I would rather be in that situation than not that feeling of helplessness, of failure, of destitution, whatever words you want to use. I'm spinning my vocabulary just now, right? I couldn't handle that because see me being able to sit here and talk on this camera and do my event the past couple of days and try and impact people's businesses and lives that we do through our training. Another example of lifting as you rise, although we're able to build a business around it, how incredible is that, right? But if I had been in a situation where I was in that vets and I had to say, Guys, I can't pay that. I can't pay that. And I had to watch my own dog, who I loved more than anything, and who's who with great love has brought such sadness, such profound sadness. If I had to turn around and say, I can't afford to do that, by the way, I would have begged, borrowed, stealed, put me up against, put my back up against the wall, I'm going to find a way to make that happen, right? But... Let's say I had to turn around and go, I can't afford that. And even in the process of begging, borrowing and stealing, I wouldn't be in this office just now. I would not be on this podcast right now. I would be sitting in my bathroom, staring at myself in the mirror, hating myself and disgust. Because that's how I would have thought about myself. I'm not encouraging you to feel that way about yourself. No way. I would have sat and been like, you failed. If who cares about failing myself, I would have failed someone that I loved. How wrong is that? Right? So, you need to start taking this money game seriously if you're watching this right now and you're like, one of these average buy balance under a thousand pound people. Something needs to change. I don't know what it is for you. I don't know you personally, or maybe I do, I don't know. But I don't know you through this lens right now. I can't prescribe you something to go and fix that situation. But you need to take this money game seriously. 
whether you you don't need to love money you don't need to love what you do right you don't need to be obsessed with what you do but you need to get yourself into a position where you have some security some degree of a buffer emergency fund so that when that thing comes around because someday something will you don't feel so helpless you don't feel so useless you don't feel so destitute you feel actually this work I've put in to be in a situation where I have a spare 5, 10, 20, 100,000 I was able to go and use that for something that was worthwhile yeah you can also buy a Lambo or a Rolls Royce as well which is fun um, but to be able to give that money to something that means something to you that charity that you always wanted to support or your church that has helped you and uplifted you for so long or to try and save the life of someone that you cared so deeply about there might be zero return on investment with that there might be no financial benefit but emotionally mentally you'll be able to look at yourself and not feel hatred and not feel disappointment look at yourself and say actually I've done everything I could do I've done the right thing and sometimes that feeling and that understanding brings home a huge amount of peace and that for me is one of the things that matters the most in the world is having peace being at peace with myself and not hating myself and not blaming myself and not being on my own back and not tearing myself down and not ever becoming depressed or anxious or whatever it may be being able to sit back and say actually Richard you've done everything you could do and make peace with it yes it'll be upsetting yes it'll be hard or whatever it may be but being able to look at myself and go yeah I can't blame myself for that because you can't so if you've enjoyed this episode please feel free to like it if you hated it feel free to dislike it as well I like honest metrics it's a good way to help me understand how I'm meant to grow and the type of content that you guys enjoy watching it's been a somber and positive and maybe motivational but maybe also might annoy you because you realize you're maybe not ticking the boxes you want and you might get annoyed at me for that which is fine and um, take your annoyance out on me it will not upset me but ultimately it's because you're you're not happy with yourself and where you are just now and if you have to hate me to be empowered to change that is a worthwhile hatred uh, and I, I would never hold it against you as long as you actually go and do something about it because now you have no excuse of being blissfully ignorant anymore. Thank you very much for joining me on episode number four of the Richard Dixon podcast. I'm hoping soon we're going to be bringing some guests in, although I do love doing these podcasts solo, and I do imagine I'm going to do the majority of them solo, because I really enjoy having this time to talk. I don't get an opportunity to talk like this very often, and um, not with friends or, you know, in groups or anything like that. Uh, and it's not intimidating because I'm talking to a lens and a camera. I'm not actually talking to anyone. And I don't actually know that that many people listen to this podcast anyway. Um, so I love having this time to talk and be real and be raw. And, and, and you know, it gives me a really good outlet as well. So I appreciate all of you guys, whether it's five of you, ten of you, a thousand of you that end up listening to this podcast. It's greatly appreciated. But I'm going to try and cherry pick some good guests with specific value for my type of audience and hopefully we'll have some of them in very soon thank you very much for listening have a great day get your money up get your security up and i'll be speaking to you all again very soon cheers